Welcome to the Whatever Podcast with Mark Deal. Thanks for dropping by. This is Whatever with Mark Deal, and I'm here today with uh, Aaron Redden, the, uh, what are you called? The uh, technically uh, founder, executive director, whatever. Head honcho. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, and Caleb Alexander McKenzie. One of the volunteers of the van and just a general all around do gooder and a good friend. So, and we're going to talk some about the van and homelessness and whatever else we feel like talking about. So, with the, with the virus hitting and the changes that you had to make with the van, why don't you tell us what all we had to do, or what all y'all did starting back in March since we kind of dropped out. Uh, you know, we, uh, we really didn't know, uh, what to expect, you know, and I think, uh, I think information getting to just the general public was probably kind of slow and, uh, getting a grasp on what we were going to be up against, uh, was kind of delayed. So, uh, you know, as the information kind of started to trickle into us and we started to hear this and that and the other, um, Obviously, my concern for our volunteers and our team, um, as well as those that we serve, uh, began to uh, to increase. And uh, so I went to, uh, I just went down to the Department of Health and just asked if, if anyone down there could talk to me, you know, about our operations, how we, how we go about it, what we need to be thinking about, adjustments we need to be making, all of those kinds of things, you know. And, uh, they were very adamant in that they wanted us to continue and not stop what we were doing, uh, but uh, that we did need to, you know, to take precautions uh, for ourselves as well as those that we serve. So I uh, really just started trying to think of creative ways to uh, continue providing mobile uh, outreach uh, across Pulaski County um, without disruption, um, you know, whatever that looked like. And so we went from being able to take supplies out to people, whether it be, you know, in urban areas where people are sleeping rough or whether it be in encampments, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, we generally will take a van load of things and, and allow people choice. We, we never want to dictate uh, what someone's receiving. We've always been about providing choice and uh, we want to give away as much dignity as we do stuff. And so, it, it became very tough to juggle that um, in that we, we quickly realized the safest way to do that was going to be to fulfill orders. And that was a, uh, a method of uh, operation that we've, we've never done. I mean, that's just not, we're, you know, that's just not how we go about things. Uh, oh, we so, kind of fill orders sometimes, just not as a normal process. You might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to not take orders. <laughs> I get, I get, I get orders texted to me all the time. <laughs> Actually, request 
yeah. Well, we you know, one of our uh, teammates was able to do up. Uh, I, 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 I scribbled out an order form uh, that we operated on for a few days, but then we had you know. Uh, fortunately, we have people who are far more professional than I am on our team that were able to uh, put together a nice, clean order form that we could, that our drivers could take out. Uh, we were able to, you know, uh, to do that with a one-day turnaround. Uh, so what that did as well was kind of, uh, you know, we've got a team of folks in our warehouse who are committed volunteers to the warehouse. They take a lot of ownership in um the 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 organization of the warehouse the tidiness of the warehouse the the whole functionality of of our warehouse uh and so you know we knew that we had to protect their health and safety through all of this as well uh and so you know fulfilling the orders you know really helped as well because anything coming in they were the only ones touching everything going out they were they they were touching it so it kind of kept our drivers from coming into their space touching everything uh potentially you know uh, i don't know if contaminating is the word uh, that we use with covid but uh, kept you know everyone from coming in and, and and touching everything um and allowed them to just fulfill those orders our drivers were able to come pick them up in bags uh, take them out and deliver them. So that kept uh, the people who were already in contact with the folks who were unsheltered uh, being the main, main people that were, you know, uh, stayed in contact and that kept our warehouse folks from having to handle anything extra or having to, you know, uh, be susceptible to, to any cross-contamination as well. So we did that for, man, I don't even know. How long did we do that? Too long. You're, you're muted, Caleb. About a month, month and a half, I think. It felt like 10 months. Yeah, it felt like a long time. <laughs> it was um, exhausting. It really was because it, you know, with a, even though it was a one-day turnaround, that sounds like a really quick and easy thing, but it kind of doubled, you know, you had to be, so our drivers would go out and take the order. And then for most of our drivers, you know, the warehouse volunteers would fulfill you know, fulfill those orders and have them ready. And I was doing a lot of the deliveries. So I was, that, it stretched me personally. Um, yeah. Harder than I uh, could have maintained for very long. Well, plus, plus you were double stretched because you were having to cover Thursday nights for Diana and I and Julie's route since we, uh, since we self quarantined and haven't left the house in, however many months this has been yeah and so i mean it was just it, it was a rough little stretch you know and, and uh, i was i was glad to find a way to to move beyond that and um caleb came one day and and uh, was able to put up a plastic barrier in the van and so that we could you know we basically had to stop because you know i'm very prone to taking tubs of snacks and tubs of this and tubs of that and allowing people to dig through and pilfer yeah. through all these items and choose what they want you know and uh we, we knew that we needed to stop that because if we're at one stop where someone might be positive and they're digging through a you know a, a tub of uh candy bars or something and, and then yeah. you go a stop 10 miles away uh, we could have easily been a carrier and spread it amongst the very people that we set out to try and be of assistance to. And, and that was, that's very scary and unnerving. And it felt, I mean, it felt like a ton of bricks sitting on my shoulders trying to figure out, 
you know, how to not, how to not do that to anyone. And so, yeah. uh, as, as, especially because so many of the people that we help have compromised immune systems as it is, um, you know, it's not living outside is not conducive to good health majority of time in the best of situations. Uh, and so when you've got a, a virus going around that is incredibly infectious, um, in, in, insanely infectious, um, and you have people whose immune systems are already compromised, then the chances of those people being the ones who are going to catch it the easiest and it, it be lethal to is a lot higher. Uh, so, you, you know, watching from, from my standpoint as a van driver, watching Aaron um, immediately start flexing to, to do what needed to be done to protect, like I said, not only us, but to really protect the people that we serve um, it was impressive. And the order system, I think going into it, we knew it was not going to be sustainable for a while, but it gave us time. It gave us time to be able to figure out um, the, a better way and to figure out more information. Um, but from, again, from my perspective, I kind of felt bad because it put the onus and all the weight of what we do on other people. Uh, so, you know, I would go out in the van in an empty van and it's, I mean, you want to talk about from, from our standpoint, haunting, open that van up and having literally nothing being in there, it just feels wrong. Um, and so, but we would go out in the van and we would fill these orders and, you know, we'd drive around and we'd find as many folks as we can and, you know, fill out stuff. But, um, and, and that was the best we could do at the moment. I'm really glad and, and proud of us as a team for making that happen. But so much of our goal is meeting the immediate needs of people immediately, um, like being on the spot. Um, what do you need right now tonight? And, you know, the people that we help kind of came to, you know, over the years, they've come to expect that from us. Um, and so at the beginning of it, even they were just like, whoa, where's every everything out? Like, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Um, I can give you a general idea. What time are you going to come out? Um, and I'm not sure what our success rate was of finding the same people that we saw the day before and getting their stuff to them. But it, I know it was a challenge um, because of the people that we, the people that we help. Uh, you know, they don't exactly have an address um, and, and they, they have uh, varying schedules they do stuff from one day to the other and they really don't know where they're going to be a lot of times and so it you know i i had several occasions where aaron or the people would reach out to me and was like hey this person said they were going to be at this spot but i can't find them you know you got any idea where they might be and you know no they said they'd be there and and that sucks because you know those people need that they need those materials they need that uh, you know, the hygiene stuff, they, they need to be able to get clean. They need clean clothes, uh, not only for, like Aaron says, for dignity's sake, but specifically because hygiene right now is more important than possibly ever. Um, and so after about the, the third time that I did it, I think when Aaron, uh, kind of had a little bit of a, a conversational snafu, um, communication breakdown, if you will. Um, somebody that was supposed to meet Aaron um, at a place to get things for several people, but they were a little bit late. I think they actually ended up showing up, but that, um, you know, Aaron's like, Hey, like this stuff, I got a whole, like we spent like four hours getting this together and I've got like a full stack, but there's nobody here. What the heck? Um, and then they ended up, like I said, showing up and folks got their stuff. But 
I realized that like at that moment, like that was not fair to Aaron. It wasn't fair to the people that were helping. It's not fair to the, the people who are in our warehouse that are working their butts off uh, to put in all this work and then to have something as simple as a communication breakdown mess up the flow and the ability of us to put put material things in the hands of people that need it. So, um, you know, I called Aaron. I was like, hey, I've got an idea. Like, we can still, we can go back to our old system. We can utilize the van, but we can still be safe. Do you mind if I try it and kick into action? And, you know, to Aaron's credit, Aaron has always kind of let me and let other folks just do, you know, if, if we think there's something that needs to be done, we just do it. You know, we, we run it by him first, of course, but he's yeah, always sometimes, very, well, yeah, <laughs> um, but he's always been very supportive of us making, making little changes or, or doing something that we think works a better way. Um, and it just so happened it worked. Um, and, and we could go back to using the van and, I think we were all like, we just all breathed a collective sigh of relief when we realized that we could go back to doing stuff the way we, we know we need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it really, the orders, you know, you, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, I guess like a success rate or what have you, uh, man, it really went a lot better than even I anticipated. Um, I mean, I, there, we didn't quantify hits or misses or, you know, or anything like that. But I mean, if I were going to guesstimate the number of orders that had to make their way back to the warehouse, uh, it was, a, it was a very, very small percentage. Um, and I think probably I, I would say better than 90% of the orders that were taken were able to be delivered. Uh, you, a lot of the times when it, when they weren't, it were people who had maybe been hospital dumped and, uh, a driver had happened upon them, you know, on a, at a, at a bus terminal or some, you know, some such situation like that where it, they found them in a place that wasn't necessarily their quote unquote spot, you know? Right. Uh, but as far as getting them back out to folks, it, it really went well. And, and, uh, I was pleased. We didn't have to unpack, uh, um, near as much stuff as I, you know, going into it was afraid that it might end up being so. It went well, man. And, you know, Except for having to carry beast stuff around for weeks on end. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> I just have to tell beast uh, what I think about some such thing. <laughs> yeah, it went. It, it, it really wasn't, you know, too bad. It did. It did double the work, and it made it a little challenging, but. You know, and right now uh, we're still using the, the barrier. Uh, I'm still working out of that back door the same and keeping people from, you know, touching. And it's, you know, it, it does make it a little, uh, you know, a little more time consuming, especially with clothing, um, because you're having to kind of show people from, you know, six to eight feet away what you've got on hand. But it is, again, it comes back to, uh, that personal autonomy and, and, and people's, you know, we, we always want to give people choice. I never want to say, Oh, you're a 34. Here's these Wranglers, you know, that you've got to wear if you, yeah. as guy, you know, so, um, we, we never want to go, here's what you get just because this, this is what you get. Um, and so it's, it's nice to be back in that and, uh, uh, and functioning at least at that level of, of choice. So how hard has it been not to touch people, you know, not to shake hands, not to hug people? I mean, the only person I want to hug is you, buddy. <laughs> no, it's, 
Uh, I'm not going to lie. There have been uh, some, uh, how shall I say, Um, maybe a few folks that that I'm friends with who have some special needs and um, have really had a strong desire um, to just shake a hand. Yeah. I have broke week a couple of times, um, you know, but, uh, I've carried my sanitizer and encouraged folks to, you know, to, to use their sanitizer as well. But I've broken week and given a couple of handshakes. If someone really is just like, can I please shake your hand? Yeah. Um, but you know, we've, my focus, you know, in the day on the regular days and not just on the nights of doing the van work. Cause for, for the listeners, you know, most of this work is done in the evening and nighttime, mm-hmm. most of it. Um, and that's when you're able to find people in their spots and you're not having to look for people as hard. In the daytime, people are moving about, you know. So a lot of this work is done at night. But my daytime, you know, this is still my work and my, my job, if you will. Um, and so a lot of my days have been spent trying to help people stay in place, whether it's food, water, you know, if you need something, let me know. Please don't feel like you've got to get around, you know, go around, uh, you know, uh, rooting around and, and looking for, for whatever it is. And so uh, really just trying to keep people in place. Uh, I don't remember what my point was or where I was going with that. But, so you can edit that if you need. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up where he left off. Um, I've got half of Southwest Little Rock doing elbow bumps right now um, <laughs> because it has been hard. Um so we don't think, and Mark, I think you know this better than anyone, we don't think of our, the people that we help as clients. I mean, I know if you go to a lot of nonprofits, you know, yeah. you know people are clients. They're, they're clients that they are getting help and stuff. We don't, we don't have clients at the van. We've got, we've got friends. Um, we've got people. And so much of what we do when we go out in the van is that one-on-one personal thing where we if we if we need to if we have to we take the time to sit down and talk to people because i think like what we've all figured out and doing what we do is that one of the biggest obstacles and one of the biggest problems with the social perception of homelessness is that they're they're almost not considered people there is like a lot of a lot of our society looks down on them to the point to where they dehumanize them and it's not just sad from the perspective of looking out, looking in, like that has a heavy, a heavy impact on the people who live outside because they're humans. They, they have emotions. They need interaction. They want to be spoken to like, like people because they are. And so, so much of what we do is that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a hugger. I hug my friends. I hug my friends who live inside. I hug my family. I, I hug my friends who live outside. And so to see people um, whose whose troubles have been exacerbated by this going through the same things that they were going through before, and sometimes they just need a hug, and that's been that's been the hardest part. Um, you know, I kind of cracked up a few weeks ago. I was out doing my route, and I had a, a friend who I've known for years who has a lot of trouble, and she was having a really bad day. I mean, and she has a few, you know she has bad days from time to time, but this one I could tell was. There was some other stuff going on, and um, I'm personally not religious, but she she asked me if I'd pray with her. Um, and you know, when when you pray with somebody, uh, there's usually an arm wrapped around somebody else. 
And I didn't have time to react before, like, her arm was around me, and we were praying, and then five, six other people walked up, and I, I was leading a prayer circle in the middle of a parking lot in southwest Little Rock. Um, yeah, we found that kind of hilarious Hey, and know, heartwarming. It, it, it's it's one of those things that needs to happen. It's it's not necessarily about me. It's about them, and I think that's I mean, number one. That's that's kind of the way we look at everything. But they needed that human interaction that they don't get from a lot of a lot of places. They they needed somebody to put an arm like to touch them, and to speak to them through them or for them. I don't really know what, but they they needed that to be okay. And you know, COVID or not, I mean, I was wearing rubber gloves because I've been wearing rubber gloves when I go out, but. That, you, that that's got to happen like or people start to they get so desensitized to the way the world treats them that they start losing their sense of humanity and they start losing their place um and that's that's when the those troubles they they get multiplied um and so yeah not being able to to hug everybody and the person who i go out with uh who goes out with me on, on the weekends she lives outside, and she helps me do this. And, you know, we're big huggers. Every time I see her, I, I have to wrap an arm around her. Um, and that's become, like, you know, we're, we're getting good at the elbow bumps. We're getting good at catching ourselves. But it's it's that's the toughest part um, out of all of this is to maintain a sense of distance from people who that distance is a big part of of their issues. My Grammy used to tell me that a human needed two hugs a day to survive. So uh, yeah, I don't know if any of us are going to make it on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like Aaron said, sometimes you got to, you know, bend some rules. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're good at bending. We're rules. good. We're good at bending rules. Okay. Cause we follow Aaron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, so the plexiglass or whatever barrier, because you broke the first one, didn't you? Didn't still, I? Well, I mean, it's it's still broken, but it's 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 functioning. It's serving. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought Caleb was going to replace it. I don't know. It probably yeah. just needs screws put in it, but it's still hanging there where it needs to be. So it's it's operable and functional. Yeah, um, I looked at it, and it's still it's still doing its job. It's just kind of flappy on one end. So I wanted to go get some Lexan which is that, you know, quarter inch thick, you know, plastic window material. It's expensive. Uh, yeah. The, the price skyrocketed because everybody wanted it. Everybody's using it to create those barriers. Um, and I mean, me personally, I'm balling on a budget and you know, the van is balling on a budget. And so when I looked at a piece of three by six, I think it was plexiglass that was fixing to cost me almost 300 bucks. I said, huh? <laughs> um, but so, and for anybody at home, and if you want to DIY it yourself, um, they sell clear plastic material that is used for like roofing greenhouses, um, and that's what we ended up using. Uh, it's it's same stuff. It's you can see who's on the other side, which was that was a big concern of ours. That's why I didn't just go get a sheet of plywood because you want to be able to see what's going on. Um, and so we we took this plastic that's made for greenhouses that is it's it, to make a barrier, and I think. For what we have in it, Aaron, what what I say, something around fifty bucks. Yeah, I think maybe. If yeah. that, and it worked out great. So if anybody's looking for a, a cheap solution, um, to be able to get back on, like on anything, to be able to, to to function in your business or in in whatever, 
go get some of that stuff. It, it works. It works great. It's a little flimsy because it's thin. You know, you can bust it if you are like me and 230 pounds and clumsy, but uh, it, it does the trick. Yeah, it's worked well. Well, I thought I was getting ready to sneeze there, but <laughs> it didn't come out. So I guess the plans for right now are continue the way you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. Um, I don't, I don't see any reason why we can't, uh, you know, uh, as long as our drivers continue to look out for themselves and for the folks that they're, you know, that, that they're serving, uh, which is again, that, that clear barrier has made it pretty easy to do so. Uh, our warehouse volunteers are taking every precaution, uh, you know, so it's, uh, we're all like always we're going to go and, until we can't for some yeah. reason and if if that happens then we're going to find a way around it so well i thought what that we would be back out there by now uh diane and i were talking yesterday i guess and if we had to do it over again we we would do it opposite we would have stayed going out up until what the middle of may is that when they started reopening stuff yeah because you know since they've reopened the numbers have skyrocketed and it seems more dangerous now than it was back at the beginning and i wish we would have flip-flopped it but well, I think the whole state really kind of i think we shut everything down a little early but i'm no expert by any means i think everything kind of got squashed a little too soon and then now we're Everyone's having to kind of go back. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know when we'll be back. Well, you are, I can assure you, you are deeply, (laughs) deeply missed. Um, I was told the other day that I'm, you know, they like me okay, but they really miss you in North Little Rock. You know, but hey, listen, anytime you're trying to build a team of people, you want to find people that are better at it than you, I promise. And so it's, I love it. I love hearing that. I want them to miss you and want and fire me. I mean, get me out of there, get y'all back. <laughs> in the uh, and that's what they want. So, uh, you know, it's, well, uh, we'll, we'll be back as soon as, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. might not come out of my house for another year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next, I saw where you just posted about getting uh, a grant. Yeah, yeah. We did. Tell us about that. What, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that money? We've had to miss at least one of our annual fundraisers. So uh, I was really worried, you know, uh, early in the year. Well, you know, in, in January, we had a little bit of a surplus from our year-end giving. And I... Uh, not to be weird, but I had a weird gut feeling as far back in as January that I needed to tuck away some funds. Um, and I'm really, really glad that I did. Uh, however, um, you know, fundraising bottomed out and, you know, kind of, uh, extra giving, I'm not going to say bottomed out, but it's, you know, people are a little more apt to hang on to their dollars with, with so much uncertainty and things like that. 
our fund, our annual and staple fundraisers are, you know, they're, they're gatherings. Um, and it's, you know, uh, we put on, you know, we, we do like Vanapalooza. Uh, we have that at the rev room every year and we usually have five or six bands and we're talking, you know, two to 400 people crammed in a room. Obviously we can't do that. Uh, and that's a, you know, a few thousand dollars a year fundraiser. So, uh, having to miss that, I was, I was really worried. So, you know, it's going to go into our operating funds to offset, uh, you know, that money. Um, but, uh, I'm very grateful for that. Our treasurer, Lindsay Carter, um, she applied for that. It's, uh, it was, uh, uh, a grant that was done through a financial advisors group, um, and, uh, and she was awarded. There was eight, eight awards across the country and we received one of them. So very, very happy and grateful for that, that, and you know, it's, it's nice to, um, it's nice as an organization to not have to be sweating our money when we're having to sweat everyone's health and safety, you know, uh, it, it's been a big relief. So yeah. Really grateful for that. Uh, we received a big contribution also from First Orion, who just moved to uh, our, you know, the new Argenta. Uh, if you're familiar with the new plaza, uh, they moved into one of the buildings down there, First Orion, um, and so uh, they gave us a, a big donation of ten thousand dollars as well, and so that was a big help. Um, part of that, half of it, is going to go into our operating funds to offset because i don't know if we're going to be able to do our fundraisers for you know fall or winter as well yeah so, um half of that is going into our operating funds uh, the other half is going to be used to team up with food jobs works uh, they basically uh, they do a training course with people who are experiencing homelessness um, preparing food uh, they did operate at our house and so uh, since our house has which is a shelter here in town um, has kind of been restricted on their numbers and, and, and new intakes and things like that. It kind of, you know, it put a bind on their programming at food jobs work. So we're going to partner with them. Uh, we've been providing lots of food. Our warehouse volunteers have been making tons and tons of sack lunches um, because finding food has been hard. Uh, yeah. Traditional places have had to restrict, you know, different things and this and that. So, uh, food has been a tough one, uh, but that's going to help, you know, food jobs work. They, they, they train folks who are homeless to in culinary services, uh, to help equip them and prepare them for a job in the food industry, uh, which hopefully, you know, as, as, as they begin to reopen, uh, they'll be hiring and things like that. But, uh, anyway, they're going to, they're going to be able to help us with a bunch of meals, uh, individual and bulk, um, at less than a dollar a meal. Um, and it's going to be good, healthy, nutritious foods. And, uh, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, and we'll be able to, to take, you know, uh, big trays to camps or individually, uh, packaged meals that they do, uh, to folks who are sleeping in more urban or rough sleeping areas. So, uh, that, those are all very, very big helps. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's a relief to not have to stress the bank account <laughs> well-being. So grateful for all of those methods of, of people helping in big financial ways. Well, cool. Uh, let's see. I do want to talk about winter, but oh, before yeah. we, before we get to winter, I want to talk about a couple other things. 
sanctioned camps. Caleb posted something the other day about some stuff he's working on or got to work on during his internship. I wanted to ask him uh, about that. Yeah, so... Um, well, I, I think that I'll might be important this winter too. I, I hope so. I can't. I can't get too much into it because it's stuff through my job at the moment, um, and nothing is for sure. Um, but so one of the things that that you're talking about is um, my boss came to me and's like, "Hey, I know you you work with the van. Um, we have a a guidance program um, that that could use some refreshing. Why don't you look at it and see what you can do?" And so when I broke into it, what I found was there is a I'm, I'm going to break into some lawyer stuff real quick. Um, even though I'm, I'm not a lawyer, I'm just a law student. Um, but if you go into the federal court system uh, at, at the federal appellate court level, um, all the courts, the appellate courts are, are broken up into districts. Um, Arkansas is in the 8th district, uh, pretty sure. Um, <laughs> let me double check that. Uh, but in the 9th district, which is most of the West Coast, there was a case that came through. And and this, this part I can't talk about because this is public knowledge. Um, there was there were a few people uh, and their cases got kind of combined into one thing they were experiencing homelessness they were sleeping or camping in municipal spaces um, and the cities had ordinances against that and so they were either arrested and or ticketed um, Little Rock has one of those too uh, most cities do um, of course they 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 sued because they were like I, I have nowhere else to go there were no shelter beds available um, and so essentially what the lawsuit said is in, in getting tickets or getting arrested, the city violated their Eighth Amendment rights uh, against uh, cruel and unusual punishment, um, which was kind of a weird, uh, most people don't think of it that way. Like nobody had ever brought an Eighth Amendment case. Um, and so this, it made its way up through the court system. And what the district, uh, what, what the appellate court, the Ninth Circuit appellate court said is, yeah, that's an Eighth Amendment violation. Um, you can't criminalize somebody for a state of existence, especially when that state of existence isn't something they can control um, or, or have any say-so over. Um, for example, you can write somebody a ticket for being drunk in public, and I'm, I'm using this analogy just because it's gone through the courts before. It's, I'm not making a one-to-one -one comparison. You can ticket somebody for being drunk in public. That violates law. What you can't do is you can't arrest somebody for the state of just being an alcoholic. Um, they have to actually have functionally making a made a decision and broken a law um, and so the court used that analogy to go back and say you know if they are if somebody is committing a crime um, a, a nuisance law if they're trespassing on private property sure you can write them a ticket for that they're committing a crime but what you can't do is go on public land and say and write somebody a ticket or arrest them when there's no other option um, because you've criminalized the state of being homeless you're not you're not criminalizing them for for just trespassing you're saying blanket statement you have nowhere else to go your existence is a crime um, you can't do that that's unconstitutional uh, so it hasn't gone to the Supreme Court yet um, I'm, I'm very curious to see if any other places come out and say the same thing there was a similar case in um, in st. Louis which is in the the eighth district but the court did not make the same decision Basically, because it was because of COVID, um, the I, I want to say it was in St. Louis. The police went into a kind of an established camp, and they told everybody they had to they, they weren't social distancing. Nobody was wearing masks, and they had to leave. But they provided them an option 
of where to go in St. Louis. Um, so the people, the, the people who were experiencing homelessness sued, but what the court said is, no, no, like they provided an option and this is for a matter of public health. So it's not the same thing that happened in the ninth, uh, ninth circuit. Um, and so we don't have to weigh in that way or whatsoever. Um, they, they provided a public service by giving these people an option of a place to go. And it was a, it was for the matter of public health during a pandemic. So it's a little bit different, uh, without getting too much into it. Um, so what I did is I went and looked at the cases, uh, you know, and I, I wrote, you know, I, I wrote some stuff down and, and kind of looked at what was available in, in Arkansas and in most of the cities in Little Rock, they have these ordinances that says, hey, it's, you know, it's illegal to sleep on sidewalks. It's illegal to sleep on public lands, um, you know, and if and we've had some issues with evictions before. And that's why that's how they get away with that by going into and busting up these camps on public land. Um, and they can't do it on private land if, if the person doesn't, if the person who owns the land allows it, but on public land, they can. And so, you know, once again, we kind of recommended, or I'm recommending, and I'm doing this as Caleb and not as a part of any other organization at the moment, but cities have land banks. They have land that's not doing anything. It's just costing money. They're, 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 it's wasted space. Um, they could avoid potentially future lawsuits where they would lose. Uh, if the court rules the same way they did in the Ninth Circuit, by just taking that piece of land and sticking a dumpster and a porta potty on it and saying, "Hey, you can camp here if you want to. Here is a space," and that's at the bare minimum. That's that's as hands off as you can be. Um, here is a space. You don't have to use it if you want to go do something else. You want to try to get into a, a different shelter. That's that's you know, it, it's your choice. But we are providing you with this space and and preferably several spaces throughout the city. Um, where, you know, the same police power at work in the rest of the city will, you know, officers will patrol just like they do every other neighborhood, just like they do with house folks. You don't have to worry about that. You know, people can't break laws because things are already illegal, but here is a legal space for you to be. Your existence is not criminalized. Um, and that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping, uh, you know, I'm saying this again as Caleb, but I think the van as well are hoping that this will gain some traction and that that cities will recognize this as as being proactive um recognize that the court is starting to look a different way at homelessness and at these ordinances that criminalize the existence of homeless people um, and unsheltered people and that they take proactive fiduciarily responsible steps to save their own money but also do the right and the human thing and use this land that's just kind of hanging out um, and make it available to people to to sleep on. Uh, that's that would be amazing. And that's, you know, we we've continued to try and try to do this again and again and again. I mean, I've been with the van for five years, and it's been an ongoing conversation. Um, we just haven't ever found out the right angle to do it because we're, you know, when, when it comes to personal property. Um, you violate laws if you don't have hot and cold running water and you don't have all these other things. There's a different angle when you're a religious organization and we've, we've kind of broached that topic before. We just never have again found the right way. And you know, the money to buy an acre of land in every neighborhood in Little Rock is astronomical. Like that's not feasible for a small nonprofit, uh, but the city has it. Every city has it. Jonesboro yep. has it. Fayetteville has it. Little Rock has it, Stuttgart has it, you know, Monticello and Murfreesboro, all of them have it. And they could take the bare minimum of steps using um, city services they already provide and make a space for people. And that, like that to me, 
beyond what you think is the ethical and moral thing to do, but it's also the financially responsible thing to do because eventually the courts are going to weigh in and there's going to be a lot of litigation happen based on that. Well, good. Hope it happens soon. I hope so too. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath, but no, that, w- that um, would you know, be nice. I'm, I'm not naive. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm not so naive that I think that things can, can, you know, gain traction and just jump off the bat and do stuff. But these little ideas planted at the right space uh, as my dogs go insane in the background, um, you know, once they gain momentum, you know, it, it takes one time to introduce it and it gets ignored. And the next time more people back it and it might get ignored again. And eventually it snowballs and people realize all over the country, all over the state and in every town that, that this is the right thing to do. Um, but you just gotta, you gotta find a way to shoehorn it in almost, which is, I'm, I'm good at bullying myself into places that I'm not necessarily wanted. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's what, that's what the goal is. I, yeah. like we want to provide people um, a space to live, a space to breathe without, you know, limiting them to being a criminal because of it. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about winter. Uh, it's canceled. W-I-N-N-E-R? Do what? W-I-N-N-E-R? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Diana and I have talked about it early on in this, you know, because, you know, they're talking about, you know, another wave in the in the winter. And we've said, how are we going to do that? And I know you've mentioned it uh, a few times. So what what are your thoughts on winter? How are we going to handle that? I'm scared to death of it, man. Um, I'm really, really, really worried about wintertime. You know, we, for, for those listening, we operate uh, two emergency shelters during inclement weather uh, in the wintertime. Um, and we operate those in tandem, but one at Mark's church uh, in, at Levy Church and one at our uh, headquarters uh, in our office building. And to, to say that we oftentimes have to cram as many people into whatever space we can find uh, would be an understatement. Um, and so, you know, we operate those when it's the, the, the most dangerous of the dangerous weather. And so that we don't necessarily operate them as what one would consider a traditional shelter. Um, so, you know, we may have people, uh, you know, last year we had someone sleeping under our oven, um, even. So it's just, I mean, anywhere a person can fit. Uh, yeah, we, we had some nights, you know, people just had to sit in a chair, you know, because there, there wasn't there wasn't even a place to lay down on the floor, you know. But yeah, I just I don't I don't I really don't anticipate us having the ability to do that um, by winter. Uh, I may be wrong. Again, I'm no expert in public health or anything of the like. Uh, so, you know, my uh, what I'm uh, one second. Uh, what I'm anticipating is that we will probably have to, we'll probably have to really 
supply uh, rigorous or uh, uh, you know uh, a whole lot of gear uh, to people who are a little more hardy uh, and might have a little more ability to hunker down outdoors through that uh, and there are a lot of people who do I mean we're talking you know, as of our last count in January of 2019 we're talking 553 unsheltered people in the Little Rock Metro um, that are sleeping outside in some form of fashion. and that's the that's the number of people that we could find in 24 hours time so uh, we're talking hundreds of people and so if I'm talking about 150 to 180 coming into, into our two places uh, obviously that leaves, you know, a couple few hundred people across the Metro that are still staying outside anyway and not going to come in. They're going to hunker down. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I understand that as well. So, uh, there are people that, that can do that. Uh, and, and we may have to just equip them to do so as best we can. Um, and we may have to find ways to, uh, kind of identify the people that are the most vulnerable, um, and, and uh, fund hotels for them. Uh, I talked about, you know, uh, a few folks stepping up um, really well for us financially uh, to make sure that we've been able to, to function. Uh, but I've also been stashing money uh, the last few weeks into our savings account for winter, uh, especially, um, because I do anticipate having to put some of the most vulnerable people that we serve in hotels uh, whether it's a night or two at a time, um, a week at a time, you know, um, a good snow, snow or ice storm can, uh, can kind of shut things down, uh, even more so than they already are. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, we've, and we've seen ice storms go, uh, four five, six days before even sidewalks are clear enough for people to be back out. So. Yeah. And we got lucky. We've gotten lucky the last two years now during the winter. You know, they've been fairly mild. If you, if you want to call it lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping, yeah, I don't, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, I was just going to say, I've, I'm probably here in the next, in the coming weeks. I'm going to try and, you know, identify some uh, people in the hotel industry uh, who might be willing to help with help, you know, uh, whether it's donating rooms or uh, maybe helping us with some prices. Um, as of right now, I've got at least 15,000 bucks that I've put away in our savings account. Uh, and I just, I say that openly because I try and always be as open as I can with our money. You can go on our website and you can see what we do with, with our money. Um, and so, you know, right, that's where we are right now you take, you start putting people in rooms at, you know, 30 to 50 bucks a night. Um, you know, that's going to eat at that really, it really will. Cool. So I'm going to continue stashing dollars over the next few months. Uh, and we'll probably be trying to do some creative online fundraisers, maybe get some local musicians to participate in doing some online fundraisers specifically for that, uh, as the time draws near. Um, but as of right now, I really, that's really the only thing that I know. Cause even if you, if you start talking about, okay, well, where's somewhere that it, it could be a little more open air. Okay. May, maybe Simmons bank arena. Okay. It's owned by the County. The, the taxpayers own that arena. Uh, there's no reason that the, the, the County couldn't utilize it, but still you're cramming people into a building and congregate yeah, yeah. settings are far from ideal. Um, 
So I, I just, I don't know where we're going to be. I think we're going to be probably really, um, uh, having to come up with as much blankets or sleeping bags and warm gear as we can for those who are a little more, you know, healthy and hardy, um, and trying to find any way we can to get people that are vulnerable indoors. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking of a lot of tents and a lot of zero degree sleeping bags. Uh, and matter of fact, I just ordered uh, a tent and a zero degree sleeping bag this past week. I'm going to start trying to every once in a while, every paycheck or whatever, ordering one. I did a, I had to do a video for our church and it turned out it's for our, we have a summer series where we have people come in and speak on stuff. And they had asked me earlier in the year to come in and talk about homelessness in the van and family promise. And then since we're not meeting in person, they ask us to do a video. And for some of the folks that aren't part of the church that they hired, you know, they asked to come do it. They give them an honorarium. I think that's what mm -hmm. it's called. Well, I, I submitted my, my little video the other day and a couple of days later, I got a check in the mail. I said, Oh, I wasn't expecting to get paid for my church. So I took that and bought a, bought a tent and a sleeping bag. So yeah, <laughs> Our warehouse volunteers are stashing away all the, you know, thick, any thick blankets or comforters, sleeping bags. Uh, I've, I've told them, please don't load them on the van right now. There's no reason to distribute, um, you know, the, those heavier, bulkier, warmer yeah. items right now. Uh, we're going to need as many, as much of it probably as we can come winter. So. And I'm hoping by the time we, I'm hoping by the time we get to the point that we're needed, that the, the people in charge of things, the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, have figured out the CARES Act, because I know that's a big issue right now. There is, there are funds that came through the CARES Act that are earmarked for nonprofits and specifically for nonprofits that help with homelessness. The problem is, is no one, like the CARES Act was so hastily and in my opinion, poorly written no one knows how to navigate it yet and like I'm, I'm not joking like i've been in contact with some of the people who are trying to figure it out at this point they don't know what they're like what they can pay for and what they can't um but i'm hoping there are some really smart people working on that and i'm hoping and, and again maybe i'm a little bit naive but i'm hoping we get to a point that we, we have it figured out by at least september to where we can actually take some of that money um and, and different nonprofits, whether or not it's the van or any of the other ones around the city, but we can start applying for it for us to use because that's that's what it's there for. Like that is that's a rider in there is that they they can make some of these funds available to nonprofits um, because on some level they know that the nonprofits know how to use it better than maybe the government organizations do. Um, and that if we can if we can we can be able, we, we can use that money to, again, provide hotel rooms or that they just skip the middleman and they have the wherewithal to say, oh, we also can do that and we can just go buy some hotel rooms and then say, hey, nonprofit people, if you have people who need a place to stay, get them to whatever hotel in at this time and we'll get them checked in. Um, I would never anticipate uh, Arkansas got 7.8 million from the cares act. Yeah. Um, and that's all going through DHS. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know this for certain, but I anticipate that that will probably a, a large portion of that will probably 
uh, go through uh, ESG emergency solutions grants, uh, which we don't normally partake in uh, for for various reasons, um, which we can discuss another time if you'd like, but um, we don't typically participate in those. Uh, if that, um, if that's where that money goes to be funneled, then I probably would go ahead and apply for them uh, for that, for hotel rooms. I don't anticipate the state government or DHS um, doing that on their own as far as, you know, hotels. I don't anticipate that, which is unfortunate because the state government could have a lot of leverage in, in, in negotiating uh, prices and, and things like that in bulk. But um, we'll, we'll just have to see, you know. Uh, no one has been able to give us any kind of numbers or data or anything on the number uh, of, home, uh, of people who are homeless, sheltered, or unsheltered uh, who have been positive. We know that there have, uh, in the beginning, there were people who were testing positive who were being returned to the streets when they should have yeah. been provided places to quarantine. Um, and that didn't take place. So we still haven't, we've yet to see any, any detail on where any of that $7.8 million is or is going or has gone, uh, or anything of the such. And, um, frankly, I'm, it, it's, it's very disappointing. Um, not, it's not surprising at all with our state government, but it is, um, it is very disappointing to see that, uh, uh, there's just not been anything forthcoming about, uh, you know, what's being done with $7.8 million to better serve, uh, you know, two to 4,000 Arkansans that are experiencing homelessness in some form or fashion. So, right. That's I'll step off that governmental. <laughs> no, I, I, like I said, and I agree with you. It's, it's wishful thinking <clears throat> on my part, but you know, on some level I'm going to, you know, you, you wish for something better and you fight for what you can get. You yeah. always have to have hope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people that are better spoken than myself can hopefully advocate for that because I, my, my fuse is short these days. I'm tired, <laughs> of, I'm tired of asking these people to help people. I'm tired of asking for help for their constituents. Uh, I'm, frankly, I'm just exhausted of it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've reached a, uh, demand it and then burn them if they, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, I'm not counting on, uh, I'm not counting on the state government, uh, or even the local city governments, um, to be proactive in this. So that's why I'm, you know, like I said, we're going to stash dollars, we're going to stash supplies, uh, and we're going to be as ready as we can to make sure that our Kansans are safe when winter gets here, whatever that's going to look like. So. Yeah. Winter. You, you cancel winter. I'm fine with that. Well, because from, you know, and adding to the list of fears on our part from doing the, the warming shelters is, you know, those same worries applied for the same reason that you, you know, Mark, you're not going out right now. Um, you know, we always get on good years, we get spread a little thin um, and now to keep not only people safe, but to keep you and, you know, you and Diana safe, trying to figure out the best way to, to do that. Um, yeah, I've already kind of resigned and re resigned myself to the idea that I won't be able to do what I did last year and only come in for a little bit and then go get some sleep before school. You know, there's going to be some all-nighters that are getting pulled because, you know, and that's what we do as a team is we 
we flex to make sure we fill in those gaps. Um, so we'll figure it out. You just might get a raise this year, Caleb. <laughs> hey, <laughs> off my butt and on my feet. <laughs> oh man, I don't want—I don't want a raise because that scares me when you say that. Because the only thing that y'all like, you keep threatening to retire. You and Mark both. <laughs> so if I get a raise, that comes with a promotion that I don't want. <laughs> you know, I—I'm old. Mm-mm. I am. Mm-mm. You know, I've actually 332 days from now, I will be retired. Congratulations. Man. Yeah. All that free time you're going to have. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, to be honest, I've been trying to think of, you know, what my next move is and, you know, what, what I'm going to do. And I'm not really sure yet. Find where the fish are biting, man. Yeah, some of that. I'm gonna. I, it, you know, it's it. I can't afford to do a, a really a full retirement, but I'm retiring from what I've done for thirty plus years. So yeah, you've earned it. I'm gonna come hang out with you, Aaron. Come on, man. Come on. I do. I do plan on doing some of that. I really would like to get more involved in the field part. I don't, I don't want to mess with your chickens and your honeybees, but no. you know, the, the gardening part and maybe plant some trees and yeah, some of that stuff. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And I'm, I'll, I'll be ready uh, whenever you are. Uh, that's going to be my focus over the next few years, honestly, is uh, I want to get our warehouse paid off, uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm doing ahead of schedule. Uh, and at some point, I would really like to find someone better and smarter uh, with a little more energy and pep in their step uh, to, to maybe take the reins of the van. Uh, and Caleb, uh, Caleb. find ways, to, <laughs> find ways to, you know, to maybe incorporate some legit uh, social work into the work of the van um, and things like that. So, uh, person, my personal goal is, uh, you know, by five years from now, uh, keep looking around, Caleb. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, my the dogs are going insane outside. I yeah. thought, but yeah, never mind. Oh, okay. I thought you were still trying to find another a new executive director somewhere. Uh, I, my personal goal, I really want to get to the point where I'm focused on you know growing food, uh, creating jobs for folks that the van serves. Uh, you just you're not coming out of homelessness without an income of some sort. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just you, you, it takes money to pay bills and eat and all of that. So. Um, we've been able to create one part-time job and a place for someone to live uh, through the farm. And uh, as soon as I feel like it's safe to start kind of adding people to that, uh, I think we'll be able to just a little, everything's so uncertain right now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the field does seem to be moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've got the, the land is paid off. You know, we've got, uh, it's all assets and tools that are that are there and so it's uh, my focus is really going to go into 
trying to find others to to take the van to a level that I am unable to do so. Uh, and I want to spend my last of my gritty old days just growing food and griping about the government. <laughs> That'll be good. And and then we'll go fishing occasionally. That's right. And then we'll go fishing. <laughs> well, I'm not letting you retire. So <laughs> you what? I'm not letting either one of you retire. So, well, I'll stay on the board or something. But yeah, we'll sit on the sidelines and yell at you. That'll work. <laughs> no, I mean, but what Aaron's saying about creating jobs—that's, you know, that's. I think that there's a national movement for that. And it's not just located, you know, it's not just us here in Arkansas who are doing it, but more and more places, um, you know, more and more cities across these, the United States are are realizing that you can help people help themselves. You just have to provide an opportunity and quit putting up roadblocks. Um, and so be it nonprofits uh, like, like us, like the field who are opening up and providing opportunity to get folks out to, um, you know, one of my dear friends who live outside, uh, who actually volunteers with the van, she also volunteers with a, a local church that has a food bank. Well, they just hired her, um, and I think they're paying her something like ten dollars an hour for twenty hours a week um, to do stuff like that. There's a program in the city that uh, I want to say one of the the Methodist offshoot churches, their organization. Um, you know, they they set it up. Mr. Paul kind of oversees it and. You know, they, they go get people and they'll go do different projects around the city. Uh, and it's just, it's providing people the opportunity to work because that's one thing, you know, Aaron says it all the time and better than I could ever do it. The, the one thing that we get asked for more than anything is a job. Um, you know, we go out there, hey, what you need? A job. Uh, you know, you got anything? Can you, you know anybody who's hiring for lawn services? Do you know anybody who needs their yard mode? Um, you know, what, what can I do? Uh, you know, who can you hook me up with? So... You know, especially if, if that is, if that's Aaron's goal and to focus on that and provide that, then, you know, from the, the van, from an organizational standpoint, I think we've got the built-in people and we've got the built-in structure that, that we can, we can get Aaron focused on that. And, you know, whether it be, be me or one of the other volunteers who steps in to make sure that things are flowing out of the warehouse to the, the streets, you know, that's that'll happen you know this this organization it might change a little bit but it's never going away and it's never going to change from its core um its core tenants the people that we serve and the only people that we are beholden to are those people who sleep outside and you know i, I know as as far as aaron's concerned and as far as i'm concerned and you're concerned that's always going to be the focus and that's that's always going to be where our attention and our our energy goes to yeah um you know or until they pull it from one of our cold dead hands. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and one of the things I was thinking about the other day uh, with the folks that are are looking for jobs is the folks that we know out there have a large set of job skills. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always amazed at that, but because of the type of work that they end up doing, you know, temporary stuff and taking whatever kind of jobs that they can find, they've got a lot of different skills. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which comes in great for on a farm, you know, Oh, you can do a little plumbing. 
Yeah, we got a little plumbing over here. You can do, oh, you can do a little wiring. Okay, cool. Yeah, here's you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's nice. The biggest barriers for the folks that I see that want work is number one, transportation, uh, and number two, daily showers and laundry. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're utilizing a day resource center, uh, they're open during business hours when one would be working a normal, uh, you know, first shift somewhere. Uh, so they're not able to take advantage of those types of services. Uh, so then you're having to find money for laundry, which, you know, laundry soap on its own is expensive as all get out. Uh, so those are the biggest barriers. It's, 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 I really want to be, I really want to focus on creating unorthodox income for people in unorthodox situations. And yep. you know, on the farm, you know, we've got one <laughs> dryer, you know, we've got, uh, you know, uh, we could add, you know, we've got a well and a well house, so we've got free water all day long. Uh, you know, we can build a little place to add showers. We can build a little place to add in washers and dryers. And when people come to work, you know, uh, their clothes can be washing. And as soon as they're done, they can get a shower and, and be, you know, taken back to their spots or what have you until they save enough of their income to get a place. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of dumping my imagination at you, but that's kind of what I want to see that kind of work towards. Um, that that's the barriers for people in getting traditional employment. You're not going to get or keep a job if you can't wash your body and your clothing on a regular basis. Uh, and, and that's just, uh, not something that's very easy for a lot of people to do. You know, we set up our shower trailer this weekend in, in North Little Rock and, you know, uh, folks are, they're going days, if not weeks without real bathing you're I just it's real easy to for people to uh, that are kind of comfy or kind of secure to say well why don't they just go get a job um, you know we've we've all heard it forever well here's why uh, getting to and fro for one um, you know and, uh, and 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 keeping you and your stuff clean is is hard and uh, those are those are the biggest barriers for a lot of the folks that have found themselves in that situation yeah, how'd the shower thing go Saturday night? It went pretty good. We, we didn't have as much of a turnout as we expected, but yeah. uh, it was raining, that, wasn't it? Part of the time, it uh, a little sprinkle for a minute. Yeah. It didn't really interfere. Uh, you know, we had probably a, uh, I don't know a dozen folks that came through, but they were folks like I said who had gone days, if not weeks. Yeah. Uh, wash and so they were tremendously grateful uh we should be able to uh pretty soon have that on a uh, uh at least every other weekend schedule um uh, for north little rock um and working on some uh in southwest so hopefully uh we've been training some folks up and so hopefully they'll be able to kind of take uh, a little bit of lead on uh just going and providing some good radical hospitality and letting people come wash. Cool. Heck yeah, man. Well, I think we covered everything that I wanted to cover tonight. Y'all got anything else you want to talk about? Just if anybody's listening to this, you know, you've heard. Well, nobody does. It's just us. Yeah. (laughs) I just do this for my own. (laughs) Well, but I love that you do. Um, But just in case anybody who listened to this isn't a van volunteer, um, I think you've heard us say it a couple of times. The the biggest commodity we have are people. Um, and the, the biggest donation we need is time. 
Uh, and so if you're listening to this and you want to to find a way to help out in the van, I mean, there's there's numbers of ways like we just talked about. We've got a, a warehouse full of folks who sort and separate. We got folks who take the van out. We got people who cook. Uh, we got people who, you know, if you need to, if you're a night owl and this winter you want to stay awake for 12 hours straight, um, you know, we got a space for you. And, you know, if you want to figure out how to hand people towels at a, you know, makeshift shower trailer, which is awesome, by the way, um, there's a space for that, too. So if you're listening to this and you're not a van volunteer and it sounds like something that you might be able to to dedicate your time to um, regularly and on a scheduled basis, you know, not just a one time and go away kind of thing. Um, you know, find a way to, to message us either on Facebook or the hotline or, you know, email myself or Aaron or Mark or whoever, um, because we, we can make a spot for you, but it, it does take dedication. It is a few hours every week, like clockwork. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing that we're always running short of. Um, and, you know, it, it's also it needs to be said that uh, the majority of the people who are on the, the, the crew right now are, I mean, the three of us, we're, we're all cisgendered white folks. Um, and so we do need diverse people. Um, you know, we, we do need people who look like the communities that we serve and speak the languages of the communities that we serve and have that connection with people to come out and help. Um, so, you know, the more the merrier, men, women, you know, whatever creed, color, and religion you are, that we, we don't care. Uh, we, we just want you to help, and we want to provide we want to provide you the avenue to help. Um, so come, come out and hang out with us. Heck yeah. It's the van.org. Well, we, At- don't want, we don't want any Nazis, though. No, no. No Nazis. <laughs> no, but you also might need to understand that, the, you know, there, there is a, there's a person on my route that I hand towels to, <laughs> shirts to every week with a big old swastika tattoo on it. Um, and, you know, well, Aaron, well, well, Aaron well. what's the, the phrase you just used? Radical hospitality. Yeah. Uh, yep. we, we say radical hospitality and extreme compassion. Uh, and that's what you got to have. Um, you know, it, I, I'm a gay dude. And if I can pray with people who wouldn't otherwise like me and I can give clothing to swast- people with swastikas tattooed on them, um, you know, it takes a lot, but it can be done. You just have to care more than, uh, more than you're mad sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, we, we, uh, and, and, and just to kind of tag on that before we wrap up, I, I, I have been having a lot of good hard conversations about ways to, you know, diversify our organization. It is a very white organization, uh, just to be real honest. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to move beyond that in in different ways and and uh so yeah bring it on everybody um everybody but the active nazis yeah yeah we are very varied in other ways you know uh religious political all that we've got a variety of folks but yeah we are we are pretty white yeah it's not it's not intentional uh, honestly i've built this organization um you know uh trying to best utilize people who are willing to to commit to different aspects of it and that's just where we've kind of landed here over the years and uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't be a little more intentional about trying to to find folks that i don't know don't look just like my old hillbilly butt so 
hunt us down if you want to you want to come along for the ride it's a wild one but it's a good one it's never boring <laughs> no <laughs> not that it'll it'll break your heart and weld it back together within 15 minutes that's a good and i like that yeah okay well i'm glad that y'all were willing to join me and talk for a little while uh i miss y'all tremendously i need i need some hugs yeah miss you too man yeah it's good to see your face my friend yeah i can't say that to aaron no (laughs) (laughs) again lucky you buddy (laughs) hey i got to i got to see you the other day as i drove past your house so hey speaking of holler at me if you get done with that pressure washer i um they're putting logos on the shower trailer you can cut this out if you need to mark <laughs> they're putting logos on shower trailer thursday and i need to knock the grime off of it it's it's parked behind the the lawnmowers at the warehouse i should have known appreciate it man so i got it i got it dropped off today you the man okay i'm gonna eat some food and then go do your chores do chores love you guys I love y'all love you talk to y'all later All see right. you later guys bye, bye.